Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Think about being a partaker of God's grace and glorify God in that place. Joy is the delight at God's grace, which enables us to endure our trials. And so Paul, he's thankful as he remembers them. He practices selective memory. He's thankful as he thinks about how they have participated with him as they were partners in the gospel with him. See, he has a thankful heart. A thankful heart has to be cultivated. The Apostle Paul went through many trials during his time in ministry. He was beaten, scorned, and thrown in jail more than once. However, Paul always continued to praise Jesus and remain joyful even at his lowest lows. You may be wondering, how is that even possible? Well, Pastor Ed tells us in today's message that Paul practiced being thankful. Thankfulness will take us from a place of self-pity and depression to a place where we remember we're blessed, loved, and hopeful. That can turn any mood around. But let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians chapter 1 for his continuing study entitled, Give Thanks with a Joyful Heart. Why not take out a list of people who have been a blessing to you and for a moment just begin to thank God for them? Maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, maybe it was the person who led you to Christ. But just take time and thank God. Now he thought and he thanked God for his relationship with them. He thanked God for them and now he thanks God for his relationship with them. In verses 5 and then 7 and 8. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, Paul's relationship to those at Philippi was that of the founding pastor. But he saw them as workers together with him in the kingdom of God. They participated. Uh, They received the good news and they embraced the good news and they forwarded the good news. It wasn't a matter of just hearing and receiving. It was a matter of hearing and receiving and giving out. And Whenever we enter into a relationship within the kingdom of God, within the church, and we work with one another side by side, heart to heart, hand to hand, as we work together, there is incredible joy. Only in obedience can we discover the great joy of the will of God. In God's will, there is joy, whether it's in a prison cell or a mission field. Whether it's in a difficult situation or a triumphant situation. That doesn't depend. That doesn't determine our joy. It's that relationship with God. Now, he expounds here in these verses and explains the basis of his thanksgiving for the people of God. He reflects on their participation and their partnership. Their participation and their partnership. Their participation, in verse 5, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. The Greek word koinonia is used there. And oftentimes we think of that word in terms of fellowship. And in some context, it especially means fellowship. But here, it especially means to participate, to be a partner. 
like Paul was saying, you're involved in the gospel business. The advancing of the kingdom of God. When you get saved, when you receive Christ, don't you want to tell your friends and tell your family and tell your neighbors? Don't you want others to know what you know, what you've experienced? That's what's happening. Paul is saying, I'm excited about your involvement in the kingdom enterprise. James and John were involved and Andrew were involved in the fishing business. They were partners there. Now they're partners in the kingdom of God, advancing his kingdom. Remember when God opened Lydia's heart, she opened her home. She had studies there and the church met there and she ministered to the needs of the saints. Remember when the Philippian jailer was saved in Acts chapter 16? Immediately he began to bind up the wounds and the bruises of Paul and Silas and began to minister to them. They were involved from the very beginning of Paul's ministry in his financial support. And all through the years, they never stopped supporting him. From time to time, missionaries will thank us for the fact that we support them week after week and month after month and year after year. It's a joy to know that people are helping you accomplish the will of God. And when we participate in giving and working, VBS this coming week, there's going to be workers working together that make this successful. In the church, there are people who will open their homes for home group Bible studies and others who will facilitate those home group Bible studies. For those who will volunteer in our Christian school, for those who will volunteer to work in the youth group and all those areas of ministry in our church, we are together Coin and AI, fellowshipping. Fellowshipping is more than a cup of coffee at Starbucks or a latte. It's more than just time in the restaurant conversing with a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord. No, it's, it's working together, doing something together. There's a tremendous unity that's formed as people take a missions trip together. And that's why we offer those opportunities for our young people where they have an opportunity to go overseas and they never forget that experience. They never forget that moment and that time together as they work together to promote the gospel. And Paul is saying, you have participated in the furthering of the gospel. Ralph P. Martin said, the sign of our professed love for the gospel is the measure of sacrifice we are prepared to make in order to help its progress. Now, the second thing, when he thinks about these believers and he, he's grateful for his relationship with them, is they're partakers of the grace of God with him. They are participants but now they're partakers. Uh, look at the biblical text, verses 7 and 8. For it's only right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and my defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Uh, what Paul, I believe, is specifically referring to here is the special grace that God gave him 
to handle suffering. The suffering of persecution, the suffering of jail, the suffering of rejection. There were some in Philippi who were being put in prison because of the gospel. There were some who were being persecuted because of their faith. And there was this commonality that they had as they recognized the grace given to them to endure that suffering. And they stood with him in prayer and in support. And so they were also, in a sense, recipients of that grace, that strength, that favor of God bestowed upon them. It was more than just their common salvation that they, he's talking about here. I believe it's the fact that in the midst of trials and suffering, they too didn't back up, didn't step down, didn't turn away. They continued to do the will and the work of God. There are times, like Paul, that you find yourself defending and confirming the gospel. You're at a job, and you witness for Jesus, and those people don't want to hear about it. You're at a job, and you talk about a political issue that has moral implications, like abortion, or homosexuality, or or something else, and they look at you and act towards you as if, You're from a foreign planet and they pigeonhole you as a a bigot or someone that, you know, is so narrow-minded. Well, you're experiencing a persecution. Now, we need to use wisdom and tact in the way we speak to people. But nevertheless, what's happening in Paul's life is God is strengthening him and he's strengthening those other Christians and they're encouraged by the way he handles suffering. By the way you deal with your sufferings is an encouragement. I remember talking to Pastor Terry prior to surgery and he said, you know, I was just thanking God for everything that he did in my life. And I was going back and reviewing and then I stopped and I thought, oh Lord, I don't want you to think I'm thanking you because I think you're going to deliver me. I'm not trying to bargain with you. God, if this is it, that's, that's enough. I'm so thankful for you. The attitude that Paul had was an attitude of, I'm going to handle the suffering for the glory of God. The painful places in your life, how do you handle them? Paul gave thanks that they, along with him, handled it in a way that brought glory to God. For the Christian, his greatest joy is to bring glory to God. His greatest joy is to please his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I noticed that some would have looked at Paul and said, Paul, we remember 10 years ago or so when you were here in Philippi and you began to sing. Now, you've been spending a lot of time in prison. One estimate that I read was one-fourth of his ministry was spent in prison. Long, long time. So, Paul... He's in prison, and he could be in prison in Rome or Ephesus at this time. He's in prison. Now, I don't think Paul stopped singing. I don't think he threw away the hymn book. I don't think he stopped worshiping God. But there's no earthquake. The prison doors aren't opening. God doesn't always work the same way in our lives. What at one time might be very easy, at another time might be very difficult. 
Sometimes people limit what God can do and even limit their ability to hear his voice because they say, well, God worked with me this way and now he's going to work with me that way. God showed, no, no, God doesn't always do the same thing the same way. I mean, sometimes a miraculous deliverance, other times patience. Sometimes he speaks to you through a prophetic word. Another time he may lift the scripture out of the Bible and it grabs a hold of your heart. Sometimes it's that still small voice. Other times it's a brother or sister that speaks a word. So don't pigeonhole God in his relationship to you. He speaks in a variety of ways and works in a variety of ways. This morning you may find yourself uh, in a difficult place. But think about being a partaker of God's grace and glorify God in that place. Joy is the delight at God's grace which enables us to endure our trials. And so Paul, he's thankful as he remembers them. He practices selective memory. He's thankful as he thinks about how they have participated with him, as they were partners in the gospel with him. See, he has a thankful heart. A thankful heart has to be cultivated. But he's thankful also in verse 6 for God's work in them. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He looked at them and he said, God's doing something in you. God's working in your life. And that gave him joy for parents when they see their children grow close to God. There's great joy. When you see them run after God and pursue God, there's great joy. For a Christian parent to see their son, their daughter, live for God means more than any secular accomplishment or notoriety that the world may give them. In Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he that began that good work in you will complete it. Notice that joy is a deep, settled confidence that God is control in every area of your life. The good, the bad, the difficult, the triumphant. Recognizing that Paul saw this, God's going to use the prison experience. God's going to use the persecution experience. God's going to use the suffering experience. God began the work in their life. He was confident that God began the work. In verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he who began it in you, who began it? God. He thinks back how he came to Philippi. The man from Macedonia appeared to Paul and said, come over, preach the gospel here. Paul was ready to go in one direction and the spirit said, don't go this way, don't go there. He was ready to go another way and he was told by the Lord not to go in that direction and so God directs his steps to Philippi and then when Lydia gets saved, the Bible says that God opened her heart. When he was in the prison... It was God that sent the earthquake. Recognize that it's the wonderful hand of God that makes a difference in our life. 
that changes our life. Paul, looking back over the years of ministry, he looks back over them. He doesn't think of himself as the one who began the work. He doesn't see himself as the one who was the cause of the work. He said, no, no, God began it. I look at what God has done and is doing in our church. It's not Pastor Jones. It's not the pastoral staff. It's not the various boards that we have. It's bigger than that. It's God. It's God. And Paul looks back and he says, God began the work. It all begins with God and it ends with God. Recognize, all right, God used the worship service. God used the sermon. Uh, He uses instruments, but look beyond the instrument to the one who's using the instrument, God himself. Listen to what he says in Corinthians. Who is Apollos? Who is Paul? They are servants who helped you come to faith. Each did what the Lord gave him to do. I planted Apollos water, but God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is important, but only God that makes it grow. See, it all belongs to him. The fact that you're in this church, the fact that you're saved, the fact that you're serving God is his direct intervention in your life from eternity past. He planned the crossroads of your life from eternity past. He planned that one day you would come to the foot of the cross and that you would open your heart and you would receive eternal life. See, it's God's gracious hand. Notice God working in you. It's God who's working inside of you. Sometimes we think in terms of what God is doing through us. I think God thinks more in terms of what he's doing in us. Paul goes on to say that his confidence was based on what God began in them, but now what God was going to complete. Confidence that God will complete the work. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Wow! What God began, he will complete. Uh, Oftentimes, wives, you know what I'm going to say. You look at that project at the house and your husband hasn't completed it. The garage isn't clean, the basement isn't finished, the house isn't done, and you say, come on, we've got to finish this. You know, there's all sorts of incomplete things, you know, it's how many people, uh, now I'm going to finish my doctorate, but how many people leave that thesis unfinished? How many people have that book that they were going to write and they never wrote? And people start things and they never complete them. God never made a snowflake that he didn't complete. God never made a solar system that he didn't complete. God never begins things and doesn't finish them. He is the master craftsman who's working on your life. And when he called you out of darkness into light, when he brought you out of sin into righteousness, he had a a masterpiece in mind And you are the workmanship of his hands. 
He that began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. This is one of my favorite verses in Philippians 1.6. When I graduated Bible college in 1976, Zion, that was our class scripture. He that began a good work in you will complete it. It will bring it to fulfillment. And I would think about that verse all through the years. There were times I wondered if I could go on. There were times I didn't know what was going to happen. There were other times I had looming question marks. But again and again, God would remind me of this particular verse. He that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Notice the forward look. We're losing a little of that. We've lost a little of the sense of heaven, our destination. Paul is pointing them forward, pointing them into the future. He's saying, to the day of Christ Jesus, that's the day that we're living for. That's the hour that we're living for. That's the moment that we're living for. We're thinking about not just this earth. You know, you can have a little bit of heaven on earth. You can by living for heaven. By living for that eternal day. I like what Gordon Fee said. Believers in Christ are people of the future. A future that has already begun in the present. We are citizens of heaven who live the life of heaven. The life of the future. In whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Paul the Apostle lived his admonition, give thanks, pray always, rejoice. When I ask him, don't you have a lot to rejoice about? I mean, think about the wonderful people that God has brought into your life, into your path. Remember them the way God would have you remember them. Think about the relationships that you have had people maybe coming alongside of you helping you become all that God wants you to be working and serving what a privilege to be a part of a multitude of believers down through the centuries to talk about the church universal church that's in heaven and the church that's on earth we're connected there's that common grace that we have received When we think about, it's God. It's God that saved you, brought you out of darkness, gave you hope. Maybe it was a little church that you heard the gospel in. Maybe it was a track that brought you to the gospel. Maybe it was a televangelist or a radio program and you heard the word. Maybe it was a family member. But it really was God. It was God just using people bring you into his family. He that began that good and work in you will not, he's not going to just drop it. You're a vessel in his hand that he's molding. He'll complete it. He'll finish it. Commonly called the book of joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times. 
to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.